I cried Friday night. Because as far as I'm concerned, the greatest female athlete in this country is Serena Williams. And uh, she lost Friday night. I was rooting for her. I was praying. She gave it everything she had. It was a great match. Our neighbors upstairs had a chance to watch her Wednesday night. And she said the noise in that place was deafening. Serena is the GOAT, She's the greatest of all time, not just in tennis. You and I, the last 25 years, have had an incredible opportunity to witness history. And if you haven't seen King Richard, you need to go watch it. It will flat in five. The first person she sang to was her father. Because he was her dad and her mom. I would take them to that tennis court in Compton, California. And he was watching a tennis match one day and noticed the incredible fat check the winner won. And he goes, you know what? I need to get my daughter to play tennis. True story. And he would take them out there every day. And like you say, the rest is history. 25 years of excellence. There were many times she was injured. She went through a lot of adversity. She went through a lot of defeats. But she never gave up. She never gave up. And Monday night, when she played her first match, and then Wednesday night and Friday night, she was introduced as she was coming out of the dressing room as the greatest of all time. She's got 23 Grand Slam titles. That's not easy to do. And she, she's, she's not calling it retirement. She says, I'm evolving into something else. 41 years old. Remarkable. And that's why I wanted to start my message today by paying tribute to the greatest of all time. Can we put our hands together for Serena Williams? Last Sunday, I started to talk to us about the call to follow Jesus. Every time I hear that song that we just sang, I get emotional. Because I remember when I decided to follow Jesus. And that is the most important decision anybody can make in this life. The decision to follow Jesus. And I started talking about it last week. If you are not here last week, I encourage you to get on our website and go listen to that lesson. Because for the next several weeks, probably months, is all I'm going to be talking about. For, for you and I to realize that God chose us out of the world to come get to know Him. To have a relationship with him. That you and I every single day can know the creator of the universe. That he's our heavenly father. He gave us life. And one day, one of these fine days, we go spend eternity with him. And so believe it or not, brothers and sisters, all this life is getting ready for the eternity that we're about to experience. That's all this is. Are you with me? And so, this morning, I want to talk to us about another aspect of following Jesus. And that is the aspect of never turning back. That song we just sang, there's a verse there where we sang, My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. Another, another verse said, Though none go with me, still I will follow. Amen? We're talking about a total commitment to God. I saw this sign. I thought it was interesting. It said, God wants full custody. Not just weekend visits. 
We got to be very careful that our walk with God does not become something we do just the weekend. That it's a daily thing. It's a daily walk. And if you think about it, you've heard the expression, everybody wants to go to heaven but nobody wants to die. If you are not enjoying this, if you are not enjoying being with your brothers and sisters and worshipping God, I got news for you. You are not going to like heaven. Might as well walk out, go back into the world, and go do whatever it is they're doing. Think about it. If you don't enjoy being in your Bible, learning to know about this God, if you don't enjoy worshipping God, chances are you're not going to make it. Because what do you think we're going to be doing for all eternity? I don't believe we're going to be sitting on some cloud just, you know, playing the harp or something. That's, 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 that's fantasy. But are you ready to follow Jesus all your life? And so this morning, I've titled the lesson, The Call to Never Look Back. Amen? The Call to Never Look Back. Kids, I'm sure you're excited. School starts on Tuesday. Or maybe it's all you Thursday. But school starts this week. I love school. Life is a school. You need to stay in school. You need to do. You need to work hard. You need to study hard. It's going to pay off. Trust me. Okay? And so, the phrase for you this morning is, never look back or don't look back. Every time I say that, mark it down. I, I got your lollies up here. All right? So let's talk about the call to never look back. In John chapter 6, beginning in verse 60, it says, On hearing this, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. Verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to live, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The backstory, obviously, if you go read from chapter, chapter 1 in John 12, Jesus had just declared and said, I am the bread of life. There are seven I am's in the Gospel of John, and they are all in the Gospel of John. He had just said, I am the bread of life. And he went on to say, unless you eat my flesh, you have no life in you. And so they're like, what? We're going to eat your flesh? When in the, in, the old, in the old law, in the Old Testament, they were not meant to eat, obviously, human flesh. And here he is saying, I am the bread of life. You got to feed on me. You got to eat my flesh. And some of the disciples says, this is a hard teaching. And the sad part of it, there's many, not a few, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed. So much so, Jesus looked at the twelve, the apostles, and said, you guys want to join us? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Are you with me? So that's the backstory here. 
They said, this is a hard teaching. Even Jesus had one of his disciples come back. His name was Judas Iscariot. There were two apostles, there were Judas. There was Judas, son of James, and then there was Judas Iscariot. I hope you know that. Even Jesus lost a disciple. The perfect teacher. From the accounts in the Gospels, we are told that Judas Iscariot was in charge of the money bag. Ain't no wonder that he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. The devil knew exactly what his weaknesses were. And he went after it. And he exploited it. But you see, at this point, we're told in the story, many disciples no longer followed Jesus. There are many people that used to be members of this church. They studied the Bible, like all of us did, made the decision to follow God. And today, September 3, in the year of our Lord 2020, they are no longer here. What happened? They left God. They turned their back. And my prayer is that they will come to their senses. Because if they don't, my Bible tells me that it would have been better for them not to have known the truth than to have known it and then turn their backs. Are you with me? You see, this, this decision that you and I made to follow Jesus is for life. We got literally married to Christ. That's why several times in the scriptures, the Bible compares our relationship with God like you and I have been in a marriage with God. That's why when you say I do to somebody, you don't turn your back after a few years and say, you know what, I don't love her anymore, I'm going my separate you, you, you can't do that. The world does that. We'll talk about that some more in a second. But in the kingdom of God, in the church, once you say I do, guess what? There's no getting out. So you better not make that commitment lightly. I've shared it before and I'll share it again. My wife and I have been married now for 30 years. And when we were dating, our prayer was, Father, she will pray this and I will pray this. Individually, every day. If there is another woman for this person, for, 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 for Richard, if there is another man for Richard, that's going to help him see your face, but I break this thing up. Because all I care about is seeing God's face. All my wife cares about is seeing the face of God. Amen? Up till the morning. That morning I was praying that prayer. Father, if it is, Sarah is not going to help me see your face, Father, break this thing up. And here we are 30 years later. And she's helped me tremendously. You know I'm a knucklehead. Sarah doesn't play. Sarah calls me out. And I do the same for her. We're trying to help each other see the face of God. Are you with me? And so it's very, very important that we don't make such decisions lightly. The divorce rate in the world is over 50%. It's a hard teaching. Now you know what? You're not getting the law, eh? Then you need to sit down and get help. I just want a divorce. Ah, not in this church. You don't have to leave this church to go get to go get your divorce. Well, I want to go get my divorce, and I still want to be a member of the New York City Church of Christ. It's not happening. I'm gonna tell you that right now. And if you need me to bring the elders in to tell you what I just said, they will do so. Because my Bible says God hates divorce. That hasn't changed. Amen? Are you with me? There's some very hard teachings in the Bible. And we're not going to water this stuff down. Again, we've got to be very careful because Satan knows our weaknesses. And he will exploit them. Again, Satan doesn't care that you started this race as long as you don't finish it. I've been running this race now for 36 years. 36 years. And there's a prayer I pray very often. Father, if you know I'm going to turn my back on you, 
take my life before that happens. I'm not afraid to die. I really am not. I'm not afraid. Obviously, God sees the future. He knows the future. And so I pray that prayer. Father, if you know I'm going to turn my back on you, take my life. Because it's not happening. When I became a Christian, I made a decision, I'm going to follow God for the rest of my life. There was no back door. When I look at it, there's nothing back here. So the only way I can go is forward. Are you with me? That is what you committed to. There is no turning back. There's no looking back. Christianity is not something that you just after your life. God becomes your life. Are you with me? Where God is the most important thing. And so I'm asking you, have you been tempted to look back? Have you been tempted to give up on your walk with God and go back? I know it's very discouraging when we see people Maybe even people that invited us to church initially and they leave God and now their lives are a mess. And you see them and you hear, oh yeah, I'm doing good. They say, they're not doing good. They're just putting up a front. They're miserable on the inside. I don't care how much money they've got. They're not going to take it with them. Like Sam said a few weeks ago, they better enjoy this because this is all they're going to get. But it's very discouraging. You pour your life into somebody and then they leave God. But let me tell you something. You may not like what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it. If everybody in this congregation decides to leave God, guess what yours truly is going to do? I'm not going anywhere. You know why? When I said Jesus is Lord, I didn't know any of you. Not one person in this room did I know. I didn't know my wife. I, 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 I met my wife in Kenya when we went there to start a church. Even my wife I did not know. I didn't know you. I'm not here for you. And I hope you're not here for me. When you got baptized, you didn't say, Richard is Lord. I didn't see that video. Because I would rebuked you right there. You said, Jesus is Lord. Are you with me? And that's why you can't, you can't, you can't, this cannot be about anybody. Not your wife, not your husband, not anybody in your family. Are you with me? You said Jesus is Lord. And so I'm asking you, is Jesus the Lord? I've heard people say, well, you know, this going on the church, so I'm leaving. I see you and I are the standard. The Bible is the standard. God is the standard. Are you with me? There's a sister visiting from Baltimore this morning. She was, she was converted here in New York. She went to Hunter College. And she was on the mission team that went to Abidjan. Christine, where are you? Can I, go up? Can I have you stand? Can you stand up and say hello? <laughs> but many years ago, in this town, she decided to follow Jesus. And she's still here. And you are still here. Amen? I praise God for that. Has it been easy? No. That is tough. But the cool thing is God is with us. God is in us. God is helping us to walk this Christian walk. And so you can never give up. You can never look back. You should never look back. Amen? I love what Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15. When he was about to cross over. And he's talking to the Israelites. And he's calling them to choose for themselves who they're going to serve. And at the end of it he says, but as for me and my house. We are going to continue to serve the Lord. Amen. That's what it's all about. As for me and my house, continuing to serve God. You know, people often ask me, why am I in this church? And I always give them the same answer. It's not a perfect church. Because there are no perfect churches. Okay? If you are looking for a perfect church, you've come to the wrong place. Because there is no perfect church. And... I would also say to you, if you're looking for the perfect church, when you find it, please don't go join. Because the day you join, it is the day it becomes imperfect. Okay, so let's just get that, let's just put that out there. But there's no perfect church. But I tell people I'm here 
Because this is the closest thing I have found to what the Bible teaches. Not only in doctrine, but in lifestyle. If you are not married in this church, you are not sleeping with people that you are not married to. And we are not going to apologize for that. Amen? My family was shocked when my wife and I were engaged. I was getting ready to go get married and all these different things. And like, you guys haven't shocked up together? No. We don't, we, don't, we don't play that game in this church. We're not, we're not playing church. We are trying to please God. Amen? That's why the honeymoon was awesome. Because that was our first night together. Amen? That's what it's all about. When we do it God's way, it works. Amen? And you can go join some other church. They're not going to ask you what's going on in your personal life. They'll take your money and all that kind of stuff. Good luck to you. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Amen? Let's keep going. He says, in Matthew 24, at that time, this is Jesus speaking, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. No, it doesn't say a few. It says the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Amen? This is a very scary passage. It says the love of most will grow cold. That's a guarantee. As a result of the increase in wickedness. Like I said, we're not a perfect church. But when we see something that we're doing wrong, we call each other out. We help each other out. Amen? Let's talk about very quickly things that cause us to look back. The one, the, number one is very obvious, the love of the world. And if you notice, I've not put any scriptures there, but I, you just go do your own homework. Okay, all this stuff is coming from somewhere. I'm not making this stuff up. The Bible says you can't love the world and love God at the same time. It's not possible. Some people look back because the world is all of a sudden more attractive to them. They, they go back into the world. Another thing that causes you to look back is greed. Greed. Again, my Bible tells me to watch out for greed. It's not about the abundance of possessions that you have. Amen? Selfishness. Sometimes people turn their back because they're tired and they're weary. And that's why every single day we need to continue to go back to Jesus. It's come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am humble and jump and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. It's a daily sin, amen, church? And then sometimes people they start envying the wicked. You know how it is? You see this guy, he doesn't love God. He's sucking up his girlfriend. He's stealing, he's scheming. And he's making lots of money. He shows you his new car. And here you are. You can't even make rent. And you're tempted to think, you know, this guy's not even following God. He's got all this stuff. Let me forget about this Christianity thing. Let me go do what he's doing. He's the envy of the wicked. And my Bible tells me, be very careful. Because again, this is all they're going to get. Are you with me? You need to continue to trust God. God knows what you need before you, before you even ask. Amen? That's what it's all about. But let's not fall for this trap. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, in verse 20, Paul writes to Timothy, says, Timothy, God, what has been entrusted to your care? Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge which some have professed, and in so doing have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. You know, we live in the 21st century, and it's called the information age. And believe it or not, the internet is fantastic, there's a lot of great resources, 
There's also a lot of garbage on the internet. Where I'm talking about where people wake up every day and just start typing. And citing sources. And putting stuff out there. Christianity is on the attack. Christianity is under attack. We gotta be very, very careful. You gotta ask yourself, what does the Bible say about this issue? That's where you start. Are you with me? I've said this one, I'll say it again this morning. If your name is not God, your opinion means nothing. Absolutely nothing. I want us to become beware of progressive theology. Say, Richard, what is that? I'm going to try and explain it to you. What is liberal progressive Christianity? It's a version of Christianity that sells itself as a valid option for Christians. They teach things like, it doesn't matter, hey, all, all, all roads lead to heaven. All Christian denominations go to, lead to heaven. That's a bunch of nonsense. I've never believed that. Jesus started just one church. It was man who went up and divided. Now the challenge for you and I is to get into our Bibles and say, you know what, where is the Bible? Show me the church that this Bible is talking about. Progressive theology teaches that truth is relative. That Jesus was just a good moral teacher. It teaches that repentance is optional. As long as you are a good person. The last time I checked, there is not a good person on this earth. Not one. How do I know that? Because my Bible tells me that. No one is good except God alone. Amen? Progressive theology teaches... That one can live a homosexual lifestyle and still be a Christian. Like, I don't know what Bible they're reading. Now, people that are gay, can they repent? Absolutely. And guess what? We have them in the church. They've repented. And they're no longer living that lifestyle. Amen? But progressive theology, it doesn't matter if you're gay, you can be gay and be a Christian. As a matter of fact, you can be gay and be a pastor. This stuff is going on. But guess, guess what, guys? It didn't just start now. It's been going on since the 18th century. When the 21st century. It's been going on for three centuries now. Again, they don't care. Cohabiting is okay as long as you love the person. They also teach that women can preach to a mixed group. In other words, what I'm doing right now, Sarah can be doing this, or Daisy can be doing this. And the Bible clearly forbids it. That a woman cannot have authority over a man. That's why you'll never see our, our sisters up here preaching the word of God. The Bible is totally against it. But progressive theology, it's okay. Divorce is permissible for all kinds of reasons. When my Bible tells me, no. And so again, why, why am I bringing all this stuff up? We gotta be very careful, babe, because Christianity is being watered down. And I, for one, I'm not gonna let that happen, not on my watch. It's a watered down version of Christianity. It's, the idea is let's not ruffle any feathers mindset. I'm sorry, church. Jesus does not permit us to look back, He doesn't. And we are not going to tolerate this mamby pamby rubbish that they're selling. It's not happening. It's total garbage. And guess who is behind it? Satan. Satan is the one behind it. There is only one God. The road to heaven is narrow. The Bible teaches that if you and I are not born again, we're not going to make it. And so we better go find out what that means. We must maintain our biblical integrity. Amen, church? Again, that's one of the reasons why I'm here. When I saw what the Bible taught, 
and I came in contact with people that were really living out the life, they bagged this nonsense. Bagged this life. Bagged trying to make money. And yes, there's no money in my pocket. But I'm the happiest man alive. I said, forget all this trying to make money. I'm going to preach the word of God for the rest of my life. If all I do is succeed in just converting one person, my life would have been worse. That's what this is about for me. That's what it's always been about. And I'm not going to apologize for it. You don't like it? It's okay. You can vote with your feet. You don't have to come listen to me. You don't. It's a free country. The last time I checked, are you with me? But if you want a no apologies, straight Bible, then welcome to church. And this is the way I've been I didn't just start here. Are you with me? But we are not going to compromise biblical integrity. Not in the New York City Church of Christ. Amen? And many have left and continue to leave because they are looking for something convenient. They are looking for something comfortable. The last time I checked, my Bible hasn't changed. Amen? And so we are not going to change anything in that, in that respect. The Bible is very black and white in a, on a lot of issues. Amen? I like this. Progressive Christianity and how to follow. You're driving off a cliff. People are just driving, the, they're driving off a cliff. It's sad. You remember, you remember this? This is a picture of the RMS Titanic. It sank more than 110 years ago. When those people got on board, did they think that ship was going to sink? They had no idea what was about to happen. Still at the bottom of the ocean. Oh, you saw Titanic? Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty awesome movie. Those guys, when they left port, we're going to enjoy this. Now, there are a lot of parts of that movie that was Hollywood. I'm sure you know that. The boat is sinking, and these people are still playing on the island. <laughs> people were looking for the lifeboats. They were not standing there playing and say, okay, good luck. That's all Hollywood. But my point is. These guys thought they were going to make it before, and they didn't. They sank. And I'm saying to you, do not let Satan sink your walk with God. Don't let that happen. You've got, to, you've got to fight for it every single day. Amen? Last week we had a Bible Talk Leaders meeting uh, back here. And I, we shared, some shared their conversion stories. It was, it was very encouraging. And I, and I went out of the room, I said, by the way, how many years have you been a Christian? How many years have you been a Christian? How many years have you been a Christian? And we added all the years up. Some people were not there, so I called them up. And I texted them, I said, I want to know how many years you've been a Christian. You know how many years of Christianity with just our Bible talk leader? Almost 1,300 years of following God. I share that to, to, to encourage you. Because a lot of people have been on this walk and are still on this walk. And here you are, you've arrived at a certain stage in life. Pick up the phone. Sister, can I buy you lunch? What's up? I just want to learn from you. My kids are now 10 and 7. I've never been at this stage of life before. I need to pick your brain. They're acting up. What do I do? Same thing for the brothers. So you've been married for 10 years. Call up a brother who's been married for 20. And seek input and get help. We got to remain learners. And that is my concern for this generation. You guys are not learners. You've stopped learning. You've stopped asking questions. You stop wanting to be your best for the Almighty. And I'm very, very concerned. I am very, very concerned. Because you think you have the internet? All the internet is, is information. 
That's what it is. It's in people who have been living this life. That's where you're going to find the wisdom. And the two different things. The two very different things. Somebody that has had the experience, somebody that has fallen and then gotten up, that is the person you go talk to. And you can read that info on the internet all you want. It's not going to work. But when somebody that has gone through it is telling you, here's what I did. Here's what I had to change. Here's what I had to, you know, the way I had to conduct myself. If she did it, then maybe I can do it. If he did it, then maybe I can do it. That's what we're talking about here. Are you with me? Are you still a learner? When you read your Bibles, I'm going to talk about this on what midweek. Are you taking notes? I see you. I'm up here. I can see everybody. This This ain't a show. Are you taking notes? You think you're going to remember this? You're not going to. I don't have a photographic memory. If I don't write it down, I don't remember it. There are times I write stuff down and I still forget. Oh, Richard, I remember everything. I, I, I don't think so. Would you come up here and recite all the scriptures that I brought up last week in my sermon? In order? You don't, you don't remember it. Stop lying to yourself. Amen? We used to be at the church where you walk in. One of the things that attracted me when I came in was I walked in, like, man, everybody's got their Bible. And they got their notebooks. Like, man, next week when I come, I've got to bring mine. Because the first time I went, I just went. And so the following week, I had my notebook and I had my Bible. And the guy says, turn to this. And I'm like, I'm turning. And I'm, and I'm writing this stuff down. And then I go back home and I'm checking to find out what that guy is saying. Is that what the Bible says? Amen? Have you stopped being a Berean? Will you just come on Sunday? Okay, I'm going to sit back, hold my hands. I know you're cool, it's okay. I think you'll be even more cool if you're taking notes. I'm just saying. I've been a Christian 36 years, and I'm still writing, I'm still, I'm still taking notes. Where do you think all my summers come from? It's from my Bible story notes. Amen? It's my walk with God. It's your walk with God. So let's start, let's go back to the basics. Amen? And that's all you guys, oh yeah, I, I take notes on my phone. Okay. I hope you go back to them. I don't know about it, I, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm old school, I love pen and paper. I can circle stuff, I can underline, I can highlight. I can draw arrows. Yeah, you can do that with a, with a, on your phone. Okay. It's not the same thing. I'm just saying, it's not the same thing. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. But I don't think it's the same thing. Amen? I've got to wrap this stuff up. Second Timothy 4 verse 9. It says, do your best to come to me quickly. This is for writing. This is for demons. Because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Write these verses down. Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. Colossians 4, 14. For right, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. The same guy. Philemon, verses 23 and 24. Philemon 23 and 24. For right, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark. Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. By the time Paul wrote 2 Timothy, which was the last letter he wrote in the New Testament, Demas had left God. Demas, because he loved this world, has returned. Even the Apostle Paul loved somebody. It sounds to me like this guy was a leader in the church. Brothers and sisters, I have seen evangelists leave God. I'm not going to give you any names. Guys that would get on a pulpit and flat preach the word of God. I have seen evangelists divorce their wives and lose their faith. It's a terrible place to be. Demas was a leader. 
Amen? God didn't call you to follow leaders. God called you to follow leaders as they follow Christ. Amen? Let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about backsliding. Okay? What is backsliding? Looking back. It's a process by which an individual who was converted to Christianity reverts to pre-conversion habits and or lapses of false entertainment. Again, it's when a person turns from God to pursue their own worldly desires. That should say worldly. Okay? I apologize. But that's what backsliding is. Brothers and sisters, Satan will not sit idly by and watch you and I watch our way into heaven. It is not going to happen. It's a battle. Remember, Satan used to be in heaven. You know that, right? Satan is a created being. He was an archangel. The two others are Michael and Gabriel. Satan used to be in heaven. Then he tried to be God. Then Michael and his angel said, You know what? They fought him and they tossed him out. He, was, he didn't fight against God. He, he, can't, he can't fight God. And they tossed him down here. And my Bible tells me that he knows that his time is short. So that's why he's come after us. Are you with me? But Satan doesn't want you to see the face of God in heaven. Because he knows how beautiful the place is. And that's what this is about. He knows where he's going. And so he's trying to drag you with him. That's what this is. Amen? And that's why we got to fight. That's why we can't backslide. Here are some indicators that guarantee backsliding. Number one, not enjoying reading your Bible and praying. It's all slow drifting. Where you are no longer 100% devoted to God. Better watch out. Number two, unconfessed sin and not repenting. You see, Satan can only operate in the darkness. But once you confess it, once it comes out, it's over. And then you go repent of it. My Bible says that what was whispered in inner rooms will be shattered from the rooftop. There is nothing hidden that will not be made manifest. Amen? So just get out with it. And repent and move on. Again, another, another you know, indication that you're blacksmithing, you no longer enjoy worship. And I'm not just talking of Sundays. In your private moments during the week, are you worshiping your God? On the way to church this morning, my wife and I were listening to some hymns, and a hymn came on that was my, one of my favorites when I was growing up. Man, those guys back then, they used to write songs that lift up God. A lot of the songs these days are about people and about how, how, how people feel about God. It used to be the other way around. Praise to the Lord, the God Almighty, the King of creation. That was one of my favorite hymns. And when, by the time we pulled up here, we were playing um, uh, Crown Him, Lord of All. And I was just swinging my heart out. This is not a Sunday, Sunday thing for me. It cannot be a Sunday, Sunday thing for you. Amen? Where you're feeling like an outsider inside the church. The company of Christians is now boring. You're always critical of others and you don't see yourself. My Bible said, take the, take the plant out of your own eye first before you can see the, the dust, the speck in other people's eyes. Amen? Just going through the motion as a Christian. Honoring God with just your lips. You know what Jesus says? These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their teachings are but rules not by men. You gotta be very careful, amen? You gotta be very, very careful. You and I have been called to imitate others as they follow Christ. And I put some verses up here for you. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Paul writes, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. First Corinthians 11, 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Philippians 4, 12. Watch this. Whatever you have learned or received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice. Amen? 
In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. He says, remember your leaders. And it goes on, it says, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And so I'm asking you this morning, whose faith are you imitating? Whose marriage are you imitating? Whose parenting are you imitating? Or are you listening to Oprah? God help you. Whose parenting are you imitating? Or are you just listening to Dr. Phil? Church, this world is in trouble. Amen? I love Sam Powell. He's a big brother. I've always looked up to him. Every time we would come to the U.S. for some meeting, I would come through New York. He was always so gracious, making time. In, in there and myself, and just spending time with him. We have two girls. He had, he has two girls, and um, when the possibility came, I would actually come be with him and him. And I'll forget the day where our first disciples. I got back to Brooklyn. I was looking for parking. And I eventually found parking. And I was sitting in the car waiting for the time to expire. And I live here. I would keep following him and he follows Christ. The man is 66 years old. In tremendous shape. I remember 27 years ago we had a conference in Manila in the Philippines. And he comes in after coming in from his job and he's sweating and I walk up to him. What do I need to do to look like you? And he goes, he looks at me. He do this every day. And I thought, oh, I, I can do that. He goes, he goes, for 25 years. And my heart sank. <laughs> Obviously, you know, we've been here now, I don't know, how many months? 20, 22 months or whatever. And he's still in great shape. And I gotta be honest. Part of my motivation for losing this weight is you know what? I'm trying to keep up with him. He saw me last week and said, hey Richard, what happened to the rest of you? <laughs> well, you see, I'm following his example. Like, you know, the reason I take care of myself, he said to me, so that I can continue to be my friend for God. I can continue to do God's work. That's very convicting. Amen? And so I'm asking you, who are you imitating? You know what? I want the kind of marriage he's got. Hey, I see his kids. I, I want, let, let me pick his brain. I, I, I want to have kids like that. It's not rocket science. Amen? But you got to open your mouth. You got to ask, you got to ask questions. You got to go get the help. Because if you are waiting for me to call you up, Guess what? I'm telling you right now, it's on tape. You're going to wait a long time. You're going to wait a long time. And I want you to know, you know what? Sometimes people tell me, oh, we, we think you're too busy. Did I, did I ever tell you I'm too busy? No. I haven't told you that. You want the help? I'm here. You want the help? David's here. You want the help? Sarah is here. Amen? Imitate your leaders. I need to wrap this up. Galatians chapter 2. says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself 
for me. Amen, church? When you and I became Christians, we died to our old self. We are now alive in Christ. We are living a new life. Amen? I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And people see Jesus in you. And, see, and people see Jesus in you. That's what they ought to see. Amen? Why would you want to go back to all these things you've been delivered from? It makes no sense. This is Satan's world. You know that, right? You know that, right? This is Satan's world. Yes, God created it and Satan came in and messed it up in Genesis 3. But this is Satan's world. So when, when the devil came and was tempting Jesus and said, you know what, hey, just bow down to me. All this stuff has been given to me. That's a lie. But this is Satan's world. And that's why it's a mess. That's why there will continue to be injustice. That's why there will continue to be famine and all these different things. He's saying, heaven. There used to be a perfect paradise and then he messed it up. But the cool thing is, church, there's going to be a new heaven. Oh, now you're going to start making me dance. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's what gets me out of bed every single day. Amen? Our first stop will be paradise. And then we'll get, we'll get to meet some of these guys. Joshua, Abraham, Peter, Paul, Abigail, David, Jonah, Noah, Jesus. You're not going to get these guys right away. Okay? Go read your Bible, it's in there. It's at the very end. You get to meet the Father. Amen? We'll teach about that one of these days. Even sometimes, you know, you hear Christians when they pass on, so they've gone to heaven. Technically, you're not correct. They've gone to paradise. Because heaven, heaven, the throne room where God is, Nietzsche is not there yet. Because when Jesus came, you guys are gonna, you're going to make me digress. When Jesus came, in the beginning of the gospel, what was he saying? He says, I'm the one who comes from heaven. No one has seen the Father except him who came from heaven. When he said that, Abraham, David, all those guys, Abraham died. So what is he saying? Those guys have not seen God yet. Okay, one of these guys, that's what preach. Remind me. But why would you want to go back to stuff you've been delivered It makes no sense. Amen? Stop envying the world. Stop envying the things of this world. James 4, 4 said we can't be friends with the world and love God at the same time. It's not possible. All men are like grass and they will all perish. There's a ton of scriptures for that one. Flee the evil desires of you. 2 Timothy 2.22 This world is temporary. 2 Corinthians 4.18 Amen? Don't get sucked up into this. You remember the parable of the lost son? In Luke chapter 15? It's there for a reason. God will take us back when we come to our senses and return home. That's what that parable is all about. That no matter what it is you've done, you can still come back to your God. Amen? There are times I run into people that have left the church. And they'll, they'll tell me, Richard, I'm too much of a sinner. I don't think I can come back. Of course, of course you can. There's nothing you've done that God cannot forgive. If you will repent, if you will come to your senses, but there's nothing we've done that God will not forgive. You remember the story? The guy went off and he squandered his wealth in wild living. When he fell on hard times, where were all his friends? So much so, eventually he went back home. And the father took him back. That's what Christianity is all about. Amen? It's about going back to God. Mark 10. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me. And the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Home, brothers, sisters, 
mothers, children and fields, along with persecution, and in the age to come. Amen? I'm supposed to give this up and go back to what? God promised me a hundred times what I gave up. And I'm enjoying it. Amen? There's nothing to go back there to. That God brought us in and has promised to bless us. And he's blessing us. And that's why you keep looking forward. Okay, I keep saying this. I need to wrap this stuff up. That's a picture of a car, right? I want you to notice something. This is the rear view mirror, right? The rear view mirror compared to the entire front windscreen is huge. This is very small compared to the windscreen. Have you ever wondered why? Because you and I are meant to be focused on what's in front of us. Not what is behind us. Amen? Now it's important that before you change lanes, you look through that rear view mirror and you look through your side mirror. Oh, I, I sense a nervous laughter. You know how it is? You look at the, you look at the mirror and you don't look at the side mirror and you start changing lanes and all of a sudden the person next to you goes, Sorry, I didn't see you because you didn't look. Amen. These days, these cars, the way they make them, even on the side mirrors, there's a little light that comes on. I'm still getting used to that because I was taught, you know, when you want to change this mirror, mirror, and then you, you you check your blind spot by just turning your shoulder. So the other day, I almost hit somebody. Because I wasn't even looking at my side mirrors. They alone see those little things that come off. But the reason why you and I pay attention is because most of our life is still in front of us. And that's why the side mirrors are very tiny compared to the entire windscreen. And so church, I'm begging. Yes, time to time, glass at the rearview mirror. So I don't make the same mistake. But keep your eyes focused. Keep your eyes focused on what's in front of you. Amen? Amen. Keep your eye on the prize. Again, even as I was preparing this lesson, why do you think our eyes are where they are? In the human anatomy? It's amazing. Even God figured that one out. You know, I better put the eyes right up front so they can look forward. If I walked in here and my eyes are behind my head, you're going to say, Richard, we got problems. Okay? I know some of us kids, you think your mother has eyes at the back of her head. But, you know, she, she doesn't. Believe me, there are certain tricks. When you, when you guys get quiet, she knows something is off. And that's when she shows up. But anyway, your, your, mother, your mother doesn't have eyes at the back of her head. She doesn't. But God put our eyes where they are because he wants us looking forward. Amen, church? I mean, if I try to walk backwards, I'm, I'm going to have me some problems. Huh? I mean, this, this is hard to do. Because I, I can't see where I'm going. Amen? So don't do, don't do that spiritually either. Be very, very careful. Jesus says, I died for you. Will you live for me? That's what it's about. It's about never turning back, church. These are the words of the song we sang earlier. There's one that's not in the songbook that I like to sing. It says, take the whole world, give me the same. Take the whole world, give me the same. Take the whole world, give me the Savior. Brothers and sisters, Jesus died for us. Came into this world to take away our sins. Living God is not an option. Turning our backs on him is not an option. You and I have been called to never look back. We've got to keep going forward. And one day, we get to see the face of God. Let us pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for him dying on the cross for us. Father, forgive us for the times we thought of leaving you and looking back. Forgive us for the times we've not been steadfast and we fully devoted to you. 
Father, we ask you, God, that you continue to help us to focus on what's in front of us. I beg you, Lord, that none of us will turn our backs on you. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses all of our sins. We thank you for his blood that was broken on the cross so that we can get to know you. Father, we love you more than life itself. Thank you for Jesus again. We ask all this precious name.